most of the fellows, they, they want to do that related to neuro-oncology. Very few mm -hmm. after doing functional, they want to do that. He, he got one of the papers that Dr. Rotten was uh, retracted, but Dr. Rotten never got to, to correct. So he did not know about that, you know. Really possible. The, the idea about the 3D was something that Dr. Rotten taught us. Much harder. And that was something that Dr. Rotten already mentioned to me in advance. So he said, first you have to dissect 10 brains, and then you go into the skull with the, to do the dissection. Welcome to Stimulating Brains. Dr. Vanessa Milanese is a functional neurosurgeon at A Beneficencia Portuguesa Hospital in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and also holds an adjunct assistant professorship at, um, for neurosurgery at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. And in this episode, we will talk about her stellar work in combining her surgical and uh, neurosurgical activities with anatomical work, which involves the sections of the white matter of post-mortem brains using the Klingler methods and other methods. We will talk about the rare community of neurosurgeons like her that are involved in similar activities worldwide, and also the big influence of, um, I think, Dr. Al Roton uh, had on, on, on um, Vanessa's career and on this field. Uh, and then we will also cover her invention um, to create virtual 3D scenes from these dissections that you can rotate on the computer, um, which I think are, are super fascinating. So again, Thank you, Vanessa, for um, joining. So again, thank you, Vanessa, for um, joining. And uh, as you know, to break the ice, I usually ask before we get into science about hobbies, um, what do you do in your free time? Do you have any free time at all? <laughs> Yeah, I have some free time. So first, I would like to thank you, Andy, for having me. It's a, such a great privilege to be here. I'm a huge fan of many of the guests you have here, and I'm a huge fan of your work. So as you know, I've been following this podcast and, and so, for some time now, and I'm, I know that you have a huge uh, audience and uh, such a qualified audience here. So for the... To, for, for your question, I, I love singing, uh, dancing, going to the beach. So my husband and I, we go to an island close to Sao Paulo, about three hours from Sao Paulo. And over there, I love paddleboarding, kayaking. I also love traveling and learning more about new culture and trying new food. I'm a foodie. I, I love going yes. to new restaurants and, and getting to know more people. Oh, I am very envious about the island now. I can't get it out of my head. So <laughs> that's that's oh, that so fun. beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure. I get to see some turtles. It's nice. It's awesome. Mm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. All right. So, um, going into your career, who were key mentors and also maybe turning points in the career that brought you where you are now? 
Yeah, there are so many mentors that helped me to to get for my science and also for my professional life, for my career. First of all, Maria Cristina Chavantes, that she was my master's degree and also my PhD mentor. She she was the one that first helped me to start thinking about hypotheses and to ask interesting questions. And she was also really empowering women, you know, so he, she had some, some other uh, students with her and, and she was always saying, oh, you can do that. You, you are going to, to have a wonderful path in your career. So that, that was very important at that time. So I did at the same time during my residency, my master's degrees and my, my PhD. And also sometime uh, I was with Dr. Rotten already when I came back to do my PhD defense. And then it's quite hard. A residency is already hard. And then I was doing like a lot of work at night and at weekends. And it was quite a, quite a hard time. And it was very helpful to have um, her guidance over this, during this time. Also, Dr. José Osvaldo de Oliveira. He was my mentor in functional neurosurgery here in Brazil. And he, he taught me a lot about uh, treating all types of pain and to be patient because sometimes we in surgery, we want to rush the process, we want to operate. And he was always saying, you know, just be careful, gentle, and then uh, try, try all the non-invasive treatments before thinking about surgery. And then Juanita Enders, by the time I went to, to U.S., I did a portion of my PhD project with her. She's a professor of anatomy and physiology at Uniformed Service University of, of, for the Health Science there in Bethesda. So a little close, closer to you. And then I did some in, in vivo and in vitro studies for my PhD. And she said that I could always improve my work to get a perfect, to get the perfect image. Actually, she, uh, I was trying to do to to take some pictures of the dorsal root neurons, and then once she said, "Oh Vanessa, I know that you can do better than that," and I was, mm -hmm. "Oh my gosh, I never took those kind of pictures. I I think I cannot do." But she she believes I can, so I I went back to the to the lab and I took I, I spent like three days working until late night, and then at the end I could do that. And so these were photographies that... of the dorsal root ganglion that you yes, prepared? Yeah, or... in the microscope. In the yeah, microscope, I okay. Yeah. I prepared, I, I did some fluorescence for, because of we, we were trying to see uh, if we could get some undulations. We, we did a kind of treatment with the um, laser. I was studying uh, the influence of lasers in the dorsal root ganglion. And then... I was trying to take pictures of the undulations and to see like the difference of the parameters because in lasers it's all all about the dosimetry you're you're giving to the cells and then I was trying to see that influence and then I had to get that under the microscope and and I, I had to capture that in the pictures. And then I was very nervous about that, but then she the, the way that she she really believed in me that that was very helpful and that Great. that's something that it's I think that's the greatest thing about mentors I think that she believed in me even before I believe and then I think that helped 
and then I, I could do the, the pictures at the end. And I think once it, that, that was just before uh, I, go to, uh, I, I started my fellowship with Dr. Rotten. And this kind of thinking helped me when I was there because he, he always wanted the, that perfect image. And we, we also say we have a, a way, we former fellows of Dr. Rotten, we say that we had to get the Rotonian pictures. That mm. once you see that, you see that it came from Dr. Rotten's lab because you have like, you have to have the, the perfect image. And that was something that I, I even started thinking about that when I was with uh, Professor Juanita Anders at uh, UCS University. And then it came Dr. Rotten. So he, he was my best mentor and he believed me since day one. I went there, it was a coincidence because I went there to, I went to Kitsini in Florida to present my master degrees project. And then I had, and I, I had an WNAS meeting in Washington, DC, actually. And then uh, I had one week for between these two conferences. And I my 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 cousin was writing a book about Dr. Rotten's book, a QA book. And then I asked, I, I mentioned to him that I would go there and ask. Uh, if Dr. Rotten would approve that. And then I went there, I spent one week there at the end. And then he, and then he said, okay, I saw that your, your cousin is a hard worker. I like the book that he wrote, but what do you want? I know, I know what you want for your cousin, but what do you want? And then I said, hmm. oh, I want to, to spend three months with you. And then he said, no, in three months, you are not going to even start starting learning how to take a picture and then I was oh my gosh okay so if Dr. Foote accepts me I can stay uh, six months with you and then three months with Dr. Foote so I I had like nine months that I could stay away and then he went to Dr. Foote and he asked Dr. Foote to talk to me he helped me a lot so and then because I had sent Dr. Food an email, but he never answered. And then he said, and once Dr. Rotten went there, he, after afterwards, Dr. Food mentioned that to me that Dr. Rotten had asked him to to talk to me. And then Dr. Food, right at the end of the the meeting, Dr. Food accepted me. And then he said, oh, but I don't know if Dr. Rotten is going to accept you because you know he, there are a lot of neurosurgeons that want to to come here. He has a huge line of people waiting to come. And, then I, and I was really nervous, but at, on Friday, uh, the end of the, that, that week, he accepted me and I was very happy. So that was me. And then I started in October. And, and so then you, I did could... a joint, you did a joint fellowship with Kelly Foote and um, Albert Groton essentially, and was divided into two parts or? Exactly, it... yeah. Okay. So first I was with Dr. Rotten and it worked Right, because he passed in February and I was going to start with Dr. Fit in in March. And then it worked. And, and then I, I could I could also work in the lab because the lab there was 24 hours, seven days a week. And then I could work in the nights and then also weekends. So I think all together I spent maybe more than 6,000 hours working in that lab because every time that I was not, with Dr. Food, I was, I was like, we, we would finish about five, 5.30 every day. And then I, I would go to the lab and stay there until 10, 11, and also weekends. Weekends, I, I would spend like 
10 hours or 12 hours there. And like so packing. with with Dr. Rotten, you did mainly anatomy work or also surgical work with him? Only anatomy. anatomy. Okay. Only anatomy. So it was it yeah. lab work and then you did um, the fellowship with Kelly for neurosurgery later, right? Yes, functional okay. neurosurgery. Yeah. Got it. And mm -hmm. okay, now, now I understand. And, and um, so what did you scientifically do in that time in the lab? Like, was it about, you know, making great pictures about anatomy? I know that, mm -hmm. but... But was it yes. like hypothesis driven or did you have a project mm -hmm. there? What was it about? Yeah, I even when I when I went there, I mentioned to him. So I had this one year fellowship in functional neurosurgery. And during this one year, I had one patient that had once we, we started stimulating the ASEAN, he got sad. Hmm. And then when once we turned it off, he he was back to normal again. And then we moved the lead more posterior and lateral, and then the patient improved. And even nowadays he's doing fine. I, I, from time to time, I hear about him. But that kept me thinking. I wanted to learn more about the 3D neuroanatomy. And I, I only had these, you know, the 3D reconstructions that we have. And then also the, the brain, the shelter brain atlas that we have. So just cuts. I, I really wanted to, to have a deep learning. And I even mentioned this, this patient to Dr. Rotten and he, he had a big smile and, and then he said, yeah, I think that's a good, good way of thinking. And I really wanted to learn more about the connections of the SDM. And that was something that I, that, that was my, my initial project, but at the end I decided GPI, SDM and also PPM. And actually, afterwards, I also spoke to Dr. Food if I could do some of the sections in the thalamus and get some of the connections in the thalamus, because I really wanted to learn more about BIM and all the, the structures that we are simulating. So it was mostly uh, surgery driven. So I really wanted to learn more about what we're doing in surgery. So, and then uh, Dr. Food, I, I remember that I was very nervous about dissecting that because many people said even for the SDN actually once I went that when once I I left I, I once I mentioned that I was going to this fellowship with Dr. Rotten and then I had this project about dissecting the SDN so many people came to me and said oh how how do you think you're going to be able to dissect that it's only you know it's very very small you're not going you're going to miss that you're going just to waste your time and you hmm. you're not going to get anything from it yeah so I heard, and, and I heard from from people very close, and that's hard because you just have to, okay, I would say that after I try. So first yeah. I have to try, and then I say that I, I cannot do that. Love it. S yeah. Sad question, <laughs> that patient that you mentioned, was it, do you remember, was it on the left side of the STN where you moved the lead? It was right FTN ah, okay. from what I remember. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, mm -hmm. so I can, yeah, I can, I can check that. I can go back. No, to the it's, it's not, from it's not, what that, I remember, not that important. Was, I mean, right. uh, we have, we have indeed more found that, that somehow anterior left, like on the left hemisphere, um, that was more associated with, um, depressive side effects, but, but I, it's not, um, not a hundred percent thing. So that was why I was mm -hmm. curious. So, um, mm -hmm. great. And so, the idea was to dissect the SDN to better understand it three-dimensionally, create pictures, um, 
I assume part of that would also go into Dr. Rotten's book, right? He he had an anatomy book, or was that apart from, um, from that? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, that book he wrote many years ago. I can't be sure, maybe ten years ago, and that was not something that he was working okay. at that time. So he, he had already published and finished and. It was something that I studied a lot. It's like our Bible. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. that all nurse surgeons heard about that book. We we study a lot of that book That's before great. going into surgery. All right. So how uh, before we go into the more scientific stuff, how, how did you get into medicine and neurosurgery to begin with? So um, were you a high school student or when did it start, these, these thoughts for you? I think since I was a kid, I always thought about being a um, doctor and also a singer. So I also wanted to sing. Nowadays, I only sing in the shower, but... Okay, but you do sing. It's... Okay, great. Don't yeah, I do shower. sing. <laughs> okay, great. And then, yeah, sometimes in, some, in karaoke or, yeah, but it's, it's quite rare. But then uh, when I was a Scott girl, uh, I about 1998... I was always trying to help the injured kids in the camp, in the camping, during camping. And so we, we would have kids that uh, we, we had one rescuer for team. In, in each team, we had a rescuer, but I was helping all the teams. You know, I really wanted and I really enjoyed that feeling that you have once we are helping someone. So and, and I, 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 I at that point, I decided, OK, I think I I, I want to go into medical school I want to help more and then when I first when I started in my medical school it was love at first sight with neuroanatomy so once I in my first year I I I thought about going to neurosurgery but for and then a lot of people came to me saying oh I'm sure that you are going to change your mind by the end of the the years so you're going to go into ENT you're going to, to go into another specialty so all women do that they think about neurosurgery and then they change at the end and then I was oh okay but I I think I have to look deep deeper into that why is, is that that everyone is changing their, their mind I, I want to to know more and then I can do a better decision so I did some during my my last three years I, all my vacation time, I was in a hospital. So I went to neurosurgery uh, and I, I, I was all day with the residents from 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. And then I, I could see in, in Recife. It's a, because I did my medical school in a, in a federal university of Paraíba in João Pessoa. And then it's like two hours from João Pessoa. And then I did that. And I also went to Coimbra in Portugal, and I also went to Groningen. And it was in Groningen that I saw my first, the first CBS patient. I, I, I had never heard about that. It was like 2007. And then I saw a patient on and off, and then I was really impressed about how well he was and during uh, when the, the DBS was on. And then, so yeah, after that, I was really sure that I wanted to go into neurosurgery. Super cool. It was actually also for me in um in neuroanatomy love at first sight and but I didn't think of neurosurgery I thought of neuroscience 
so um i yeah mm -hmm. uh so so but interesting yeah that 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 also made it for me it's such a so beautiful the anatomy and the yeah I think, you know, it's so funny that you said you've never heard of um, STN. And I think that's still still the case. Many medical school students don't have contact with it, right? We should mm -hmm. we should do better advertisement and, and show these videos more, right? Because I think it's it's almost for everybody. Like you switch on this device and the tremor stops. Mm -hmm. What's more magical than that, right? Um, so yeah. I think you nowadays know. with social media, internet, because... At that time, we had internet, but I was not using like a cell phone. So I had just some times in the day that I was connected, and yeah. But I, I, I had I, I've never heard about that in my medical school for sure. Great. So mm -hmm. Dr. Rotten is the lead author of the seminal textbook that that we have just discussed, uh, cast your Bible on neuroanatomy and neurosurgery. Um, your Twitter profile shows a picture of it signed by him for you. Um, and of course, you've already mentioned the key impact he had on your career and your, your you know, training, your thoughts and so on. Um, and as him, I think, or, you know, you at least have become a neuroanatomist besides being a neurosurgeon, right? You still spend some time in the lab or at least um, have, have uh, brains there and do dissections. How did it come to that? And then also, um, you know, how does each of the two practices cross inform each other the, the um seeing the brain in the or and seeing it on the bench <laughs> yeah so first uh, when i was in my second year medical school i i started working as a technician like a anatomy um, lab technician but i could never touch the brain because the brain was so we had to be very gentle and I was just starting. So they would just give me the arms and legs to dissect. So I was for th three years, five years at the end, I was working there. I could not, I could never touch the brain. And I think that I had this desire and I, I really wanted to teach neuroanatomy and I couldn't because I was working in the department and, you know, I could not, we could not mix that. And then I think that once I... And then I came here, we have this, I did my residency here at Beneficencia Portuguesa of Sao Paulo. And I had, I saw many dissections during the time. So even uh, Richard Pahaga, I don't know if you saw some of his beautiful dissections. He was even cover of the Janus. And, and then I, I really wanted to dissect. And I, but I even, I, I was seeing the dissections, but I still could not dissect. Only in the in courses that you have like so one week to do all the dissections and it's such a short time to to get a deep deeper knowledge mainly in the area that we need. So at the end, I think the 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 main driven came after this patient that I just mentioned to you. So I really wanted to have this three D idea in my mind, and it's not really that I'm doing a lot of dissections. It's just this past, this past two to three months, it's happened that my lab is closing and I had these brains here that I could dissect. And also uh, Harif Akron came with some questions. We met in May and then he came with some questions. And also like last month, you came, we came, you came with some questions and also Alan came with some questions. And then I 
said, okay, I'm going to, to do both. And then, because it's quite hard to do all the clinical stuff and go of to course, the, of course. the lab. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I did that over the past two to three months and it, it was That's worth great. it. And it's, yeah, it's very, actually at this, at some point I was even thinking, oh, I think that it, this might even be a kind of hobby that I have because, you know, at the end, I don't feel really tired it's like my mind it's more peaceful i think it's yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a little art that you have there you are going in and kind of discovering uh, every step of the dissections you are discovering discovering new structures and you have to stop and study and get to to really understand everything that you are dissecting and it's quite hard because you don't have image to see that usually yeah. you see some descriptions of Sometimes image, sometimes uh, animal studies like monkeys or rats, and then yeah, and that's something that it's it's very important. And and I, I think that mostly you people like you and and like Harif and and Eric Middlebrooks appreciate because you know how that at some point image is not re it's not really perfect in all the structures in all the ways. Not that anatomy me we, we can have some problems with anatomy also but i think that one thing can complement the other yeah. would you think you're a better surgeon than uh, because you did this i have no doubt about that okay i can imagine yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. totally yeah. sure yeah. you could you know touch the anatomy right so it, it i'm sure it, it has a dramatic effect so yeah um it, I, I can also imagine the the meditative effect it might have, right? So as you say, it, it might be more as a, not as much as work. Maybe you, you can use it too. Um, yeah. So I envy you. I um. It's funny when I was already in neurology residency, I once went back to med school and just took part in one day of a neuroanatomy course. And you know, with the students, I asked the tutor if I could just you know go and, and visit. And it was super cool at that time looking back at the brain because I knew much more right I knew the SDN and all these things and so it was um I think we should probably all do that more um if we can if if you mm -hmm. know if possible it's um it's a good point and and then you you're totally right with um you know I'm glad that you mentioned Harith's work he's you know he's his work is amazing with um tractography and then Eric Middlebrook of course you've done a lot with him um with fiber tracking we'll also get to that I I once had a um uh, Su Susan Haber here on the on the podcast too and um, I mm. talked to her about that too that um, my feeling is you know that when MRI was invented of course amazing you know it's such a cool method but that over time we kind of lost the art or the appreciation of anatomy because we thought we could see it all right but the truth is we mm -hmm. can't really right on a T1 we don't even see the SDN for example and um, and we don't see all these small structures and so on. So we see a lot, but we don't see everything. And my feeling is even that as the field evolves, I think there was then a push against classical anatomy. Um, most anatomists to get grant funding and so on went into more molecular stuff and biochemistry related work. So for an entire generation, it feels to me, um, we kind of lost anatomists um, by the masses. And often still the best work is from 1900 or so. If, if you look at the older work, that's beautiful anatomy work. And then there's also, of course, some cool new work, but it's not so much. And um, so maybe one question, did we lose the art of anatomy based on imaging in part? And then um, I think hopefully 
we're coming back back right now it seems like in you know things like Katrin Amunds is doing with big brain digitizing anatomy is a big thing to register it and so on I think the field has also grown to understand oh imaging can't be the answer for everything we need you guys right and but um mm -hmm. question is a bit you know are there many people even doing this still um could it be true that MRI you know, led to a decline in anatomy. What do you think about that? And, and how could we solve it or, or, or do it better? Yeah, you were right. So even during the time that I was there at Dr. Rotten's lab, so some people would come to me and say, oh, do you trust more in neuroanatomy or you trust more in tractography? Mm -hmm. And you think that neuroimage is not going to show everything. So why are you wasting our time doing that? So some people would come to me and, and mention that. And I, I totally feel, and I, I heard that episode with Susanna, it was great, a great one. And it was very empower, empowering for us in that we are doing these uh, neuroanatomical studies. And I think that it's very important because there's a lot that you cannot see, mainly for the small connections. Yeah. And that's something that most of them, I, I would say mainly neurosurgeons, they, and, and some sometimes neurologists, they, they don't have, in mind this difference between the the tractography that you can get with the the big connections and with the small connections and that you can have some artifacts and you have problems with that that it's difficult to get that so i think only when you are in, really into the the image so i think some some neuroradiologists they appreciate more the the work that we are doing that yeah. neuro, the neuroanatomists are doing because of that and I think that's something, so here, what my lab is closing, I, I mentioned, and then uh, this, uh, like tomorrow, so it's going to close tomorrow. And then probably we are going to have another, a new one next year, but let's see, at least for courses. So we also have some skull-based uh, um, uh, labs at Mayo and uh, Mayo, Rochester, Mayo, Florida, for fiber dissections, so they can do if if a fellow come and want to do this kind of dissections. Most of the fellows they they want to do that related to neurooncology. Very few mm -hmm. after doing functional they want to do that. So I think maybe I'm the only one that did that. You know, some people think, uh, oh, are you crazy? You already studied medical school residency. You did your fellowship. What are you going to do in a lab? So, and then I was, oh, I, I really, I, I had these, I, I really needed to learn more and to, to be more confident about all the knowledge to, to really, to do the deeper simulation procedure. That is kind of the procedure that I, I love the most. And then I really wanted to get more prepared for that. And I learned a lot from Dr. Fuchs as well. I have to be very grateful. Uh, I did not mention there in the list. So I, I mentioned five and then he was uh, the fifth one. Yeah, you so had him I in the list, maybe lot. in case Kelly is listening. I think I interrupted you. It's my fault that you didn't mention him in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So he's great. He's very kind. He, he, he's always trying to teach everything that he knows. And that's very, very important and very rare nowadays. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that was great during these two years to be there and to learn from him. And even nowadays, so at, at, the, at CNS, he's always involved in these discussions and we are always discussing at the end. I'm always learning from him. So yeah. he's a... Uh, Me too. Me too. Yeah. 
So uh, we we met at CNS in Washington, as you mentioned, uh, and um, there it, it was. Um, you also so mentioned that there might be people if you see publications with Klingler uh, dissections these days, a lot might be indirectly be able to be traced back to Dr. Rotten's influence. And you mentioned before that the Rotonian picture as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am collaborating a bit with uh, George Skandalakis, um, who, who are trained in, in, in Athens or in, in Greece at least, um, and is an aspiring neurosurgeon, um, did also Klingler dissections before. Is there is there some sort of family tree that can be drawn how people you know the key players that have done this and um keep up the flag of Klingler dissections or um is it, is it more than than just a handful of people that do this yeah so from Klingler we had Dr. Touré uh, Ugar Touré in, in Turkey and he has a lab I think he is the one that has a lab that is publishing the most nowadays in like in fiber dissections and using this, this method and Abuza Gunger that is a great friend he he was a former he's a former fellow of Dr. Rotten he he's there leading his lab right now I could go there and, and visit them so they're they're doing an amazing work over there and and it's nice that we I had a meeting with uh, Georges Kanalakis this Monday to discuss about some of the things that we saw there in the uh, in at the CNS, yeah, and uh, and it's nice. It's it's very nice. And I mentioned to him that it's very nice to see uh, like young people wanting wanting to learn more about uh, neuroanatomy and and going deeper in neuroanatomy yeah. because some people think oh it's everything showed we don't have anything to learn uh, more from that. So I I heard that many times, but that's not true. Mainly for the small connections. That's that's yeah. something that we still have a lot to show. I could not agree more. I think we even often, if you if you really want to know exactly where a specific structure is, it's sometimes very hard to find. Just to name one example, maybe for for the listeners, maybe they can prove me wrong, but um, finding out where you know how exactly the nigro striatal pathway looks like, how it's it's probably very diffuse, but it's mm -hmm. very hard to find info on that, right? How it exactly goes just to name one example and and we often think i think especially coming through med school um that anatomy is known right i, I grew up like that as mm -hmm. a student i thought oh yeah this is you know so old mm -hmm. every, everything is checked <laughs> but then you realize if you actually you know if you care about the details nothing is not not a lot is not known so i i totally agree with you there's um more to be done. For naive listeners, can you briefly um, describe what the Klingler method even is? We've talked about it, but what are you actually doing? You're shaving off brains, right? But how 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 does it work? Can you describe that a bit? Yeah. So first, we have the to prepare prepare the brain, and it's very common. So first, we we put the brain uh, into formalin, uh, around um, ten percent formalin. And you and usually about one month you have to do that before, and then once the brain is fixed, you can you have to the, the brain can go into the freezer. So usually for me it's, it's like minus uh, sixteen degrees, the one that I'm using. But you, you you have many methods. You have some difference from one lab to the other. But the way that I, I I'm I'm kind of describing the way that I did, and also I have a. Uh, a special tip at the end. 
So once I once you the brain is there for two weeks, you can start dissecting. So you it's a it's it's the method of uh, freezing and then thawing and then with that you kind of you kind of divide the the fibers. You you separate the the, the fibers. Once the water comes inside and and gets between the, the fibers, and once it, uh, the brain freeze, it kind of spans, and then mm -hmm. you can get to to remove the fibers better. And the thing that it was very important for me, and it, it, he's a great uh, neuroanatomist, it's uh, Dr. Max, Maximiliano Nunes. He's a he's from Argentina, and he arrived. At Dr. Autumn's lab, one day after Dr. Autumn passed, mm -hmm. that was very sad at the time. But I learned a lot from him, and he was there for six months. And then the thing that he was doing—he was doing a beautiful work dissecting uh, white matter dissections, um, white matter fibers of the brainstem. And he, something that he taught me was very helpful, and that's something that I'm trying to to share with my followers. So if you are trying to dissect the small connections of the brain, it's much better if you get the brain and then freeze overnight. So you, you put the brain into in, in, inside a bucket, you put water and then you freeze the brain and then in the morning you go there and then it's only five minutes, you know, to tell the brain, you just put in, into running water and it's, it's very fast and then it's much better to dissect. Mm. And it's much easier to remove the fibers. You can have a clear a, a clear delimitation between the fibers and the basal ganglia. And, and it's that helped me a lot for the dissection of the STN and GPI, PPN, and also now with the thalamus. And then once you start dissecting, you essentially peel off, shave off, like part mm -hmm. of the part, right? Layer step after by layer. step. Yes. So first you remove the gray matter and then you remove the U fibers and then first the superior lotion of fasciculos and then you go deeper and then you go step by step and then you have to take pictures of all these. So yeah, I think I have more than 3,000, uh, 3,000, no, more than 30,000 pictures. So I did, wow. over this past month, I did more than 1,500 pictures. So that's something, yeah, you have to take pictures of each step of your work. Yeah. Makes sense. So you can, yeah, you can, that's the way that you can teach and you can show in the papers. And also if maybe a reviewer have some questions and you can show the, the picture before that. So you can really mm -hmm. prove. That's also something that Dr. Rotten was always saying. You have, you, you have to really prove what you are doing. And I think that it was quite tough for me and for... Abuser, because Abuser was also doing some dissections of the STN. And then I don't know if you know about that, but Mao Harris, that was here in episode, episode three, I think. Yeah, Mao, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he he wrote, he, he got one of the papers that Dr. Rotten was uh, retracted, but Dr. Rotten never got to to correct. So he did not know about that, you know. And he was sad, and then he was, he was tough at, at, with everyone, but with us, with uh, Abuza and I, that we were doing the dissections exactly 
about the same uh, connections and the same structure. He was he was really hard and ex asking, okay, why do you think that's that? You have to prove. And then we had to take books and articles and papers, and, and we had to really prove what we were. And I think that at the end, that was very helpful. So <laughs> at the first, I met Mawan in uh, 2019 at the WFF Finance in Can you say again, Mawan, you said something about a retracted paper from Dr. Rotron mm -hmm. and Mawan was involved? In yeah, no, 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 Mawan no. got the, the editor to retract the paper. So he wrote, you know that the, he's the police. Yes, yes, said. yes. Okay, I, I want <laughs> to know more about this. So, so there was a paper by Dr. Oton, and then Marwan wrote to the editor, and it then it was retracted. What? Why? What was the critique, and what was it about? Yeah, was the, the there were some. Yeah, yeah. You can you can read the paper. I can send you later. But it was some uh, a lot of a lot of errors, you know. And mm -hmm. then and it it was sad because. At the time, Dr. Dr. Rotten was sick already, and mm -hmm. I see. And the and one, yeah, it was one one former fellow that 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 wrote that, but then he he never got to read it. But he was sad. He mentioned that I think it was about September that happened, and then I arrived in October. Okay. And then and then that was a, a lot of pressure, and then I was very careful careful. Uh, to show him everything because I, I really needed to prove at least give three reasons for each thing that I was saying. So that's something, okay, okay here's that thing. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? I had to, Love to it. bring up. And I, and I think that, it, that the, at the end, that was helpful. And, and Marlon, I thought that I, I did not like him. So he said, oh, I think you hate me <laughs> the first time that we, we met. And then I said, of course not. You helped me at the end because you are trying to, to get better science and that's helpful. Yes. And when we were going to publish the, my paper that was published in neurosurgery, Dr. Alkan sent Marwan the paper. And I was so happy hearing back from him. He said something like, uh, Vanessa, congratulations. You are the star in neurosurgery, in neuroanatomy. You are the star in neuroanatomy. I really love your work, and and then I was kind of relieved, and it's and kind of okay. Now I think that Dr. Alton is is proud of me, you know, because I I never got to hear from him because I I he did not see the the work that I I did that I finished, so I could that I is. could he could see yeah he could see maybe until the sixth brain. Now I've detected about twenty brains, and but he he could see just the, the start interesting it's funny that you say that and i think i really think so that you know marwan marwan is has been so helpful to be around in this field for so many things he can be very harsh mm -hmm. also you know i had my own share of that but but i i would um i think he would say the same by now we we've become friends and um that doesn't mean he wouldn't um of course criticize uh, my work anymore but but we've <laughs> with a lot of exchange now these days and um i i really um enjoy his company and uh even though it is sometimes of course very direct um but but i think he's been such an amazing how was he called by lozano um basal ganglia police, police or something like yeah <laughs> something like that or the court jester that is allowed to say everything um because mm -hmm. he has that role right so he will be 
when he finally retires for real at some point, he will be dearly missed. I'm I'm sure, right? It's it's hard to replace somebody like him. Yeah, it's um. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, great to hear that he had a in the end positive um impact on on your life indirectly. And um, you said you met him. Uh, yeah, you met him, and then he said yeah. Yeah, in Dubas in Dubas and also we met this year, four years after that we we met in May also at the DBS course. And it was really fun. And he was really asking me to go to Stockholm. He sent me a, an email this, this like two weeks ago, asking me, oh, are you coming? And it's it's very nice that now. Great. But it's still that now we have this closer relationship. I I still think that he can criticize my work. He can yes. still criticize. No, no, and that's okay. And yeah. that's that's okay. I, I Yeah, I even tell, please criticize. So I will yeah, yeah, yeah. get better. No, I Totally agree. So yeah. there is a book um, by Shilpa Chitnis, Pravin Kemani and Mike Oaken recently um, edited that is entitled Deep Brain Simulation out at Oxford Press. And it shows a beautiful cover, one of your dissections. Mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful post-mortem work of a brain from a patient with deep brain simulation where the burr hole and burr hole cap are still in place. and um, But now beyond them, you can see the dissected brain. You can see the electrode going in. Um, where did you work on this specimen and how was it like to carry out these dissections on a brain with deep brain simulation implants in there? So that that happened at University of Florida. And that was something that was already in the in my project since the beginning. So I, we had planned to implant two, two leads, one for the STN, one for the GPI. I still have some dissections of the thalamus, TM, and VIM. And Dr. Dr. Foot helped me doing the targeting and and doing Eric Middlebrooks helped me doing the scans for the and also in oh, so this was, the MRI this was, scan of, Okay, so this was not a patient with DVS. This was a brain no. and you implanted it on the brain. I did not know that. That's interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Probably much easier yeah, to yeah. come by. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry, it was on. injected with silicon, and we have the the red and the blue colors that there, and then. But it was very hard to do those dissections. It's much harder to do that inside the the skull. So even with a big opening that I did, it was much harder. And that was something that Dr. Rotten already mentioned to me in advance. So he said. First, you have to dissect ten brains, and then you go into the skull with the to do the dissections inside of the, the skull. And I did that. So after he he never got to see those dissections. Mm -hmm. So once I finished my tenth brain, I, I went into the the skull. Interesting. And so relatedly, in 2020, you published um, this beautiful paper in your research, and I think you're the first author. So. I think this was probably the main or one of the main works from that entire period, um, together with Mike Oaken and Kelly Foote, um, who we heard in episode 25, and also Eric Middlebrooks is a co-author. Um, so the entire all-star team there with many other co-authors as well. Um, it really is seminal anatomical work about, around DBS targets and an amazing resource for anyone interested in DBS. So, so was that the original plan of your entire fellowship or was that something you did later or how, how did it come to this project? 
So these were something that I, I had planned at first with Dr. Rotten. Yeah. So this was the project that I planned with him. I also did many other dissections that I yeah. still have to publish. And then I, I'm still working on the, and it's nice because now uh, I have some collaborations and I think that's going to be much better. And I have some, I have some knowledge more about the, the, the way that we do the tractography and also the, the targeting. So I think that's going to, to be a good one. And then I'm, I'm working my postdoc with those dissections that I, I did over there for the Talamus. And I am also did hear some of this, some other connections that I never got to to dissect there in at Dr. Rotten's lab. I could dissect over the past month. And it, it's very, it's very nice. It's very fun to go back to the lab and to do that. I, I really want to do that at some point again in my life. So now we don't have the lab here. We are not get, get to have by tomorrow, after tomorrow. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'm going to visit Abudur in, okay. in Istanbul and then yeah, for some weeks and do some detection. Because I think that it, every time you have some steps in your life that you, you are getting more knowledge about and getting more questions. So even the questions that you have, uh, even the questions that Talon ha has, Harv has, so that's something that it's it's very helpful and it's very nice because you can really see the meaning of the work you are doing. Yep. So that's very important. Absolutely. You you took, I think you said thirty thousand pictures of your uh, clingless <laughs> preparations, um, which are very beautiful. But then I think sometimes you realized afterwards that you needed a different angle of view later. Um, which was then not possible anymore to achieve. Um, yes. And to address this, you, I think um, there's a similar project also in in, in Italy, in um, Trento, where um, you, you pioneered creating 3D models from these dissections, right? So at least in one of your slides that you sent me, I could <laughs> rotate in 3D um, one of the um, dissections, which, of, which is of course super fascinating to see. Um, how like did how did you develop that how how does it work I'm, I'm assuming you take many pictures from all angles and then stitch them together but do you have a speci spe specific setup for that or how, how does that work yeah there there are many ways to do that and but the way that i'm doing it and it that was something that i learned from abuser we met last year in november in miami and then he mentioned oh i'm doing i'm using it's an app that we use to do this ah, okay uh, and then that's something that okay we have many more within over that mayo rochester maria uh, pariselda she has a beautiful machine that you can take pictures from all all the sides and it's it's a little difficult to get the set the setup but mm -hmm. that's i think that's the professional way of doing it i would say but the way that i did was just for the like to show you and to show her I really wanted to show that some of the fibers that were going coming from the thalamus they were kind of coming and going to the singulum and connecting to the singulum and that was not really possible the, the idea about the 3D was something that Dr. Otto taught us and then I all my pictures I'm taking like in five angles so I have mm -hmm. like a deeper 3D I have a um, not as deep 3D and then they just have the real picture in the middle. And then, but for the, for, for some time, and I think that would be, that, that 
that could be very helpful at the time that I was there in the lab. I think that would be easier to convince him of some of the dissections because sometimes it's not, even with the 3D picture, sometimes it's not easy to convince, okay, we have these fibers coming from here and going there. And I think this, this 3D, the, the app that I'm using is Scaniverse. You can download for free. And it's something that you just have to get a better, a good light and then try yeah. to, to do everything. But yeah, we, you, you also have many professional ways to do that. And it's something quite new actually, but, and, and, and I think that they will have this impression that it's new uh, in the in functional neurosurgery because we don't have many, many people doing functional dissect, functional neurosurgical dissections for these small structures, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. Yeah, it's something I, that is yeah, happening over I mean, the past year. I, I think it's super helpful, right? Because because it's a it's a bit similar to, you know, if you present just a single slice of an MRI scan to a to a radiologist and they cannot scroll through, it's much harder mm -hmm. for them to, you know, you cannot interact. There's no action involved. But if you and I think sometimes if you know the pictures you sent me or also George's, um it's sometimes hard to see stuff, especially maybe mm -hmm. also lack of my training of, you know, where exactly would the on the on the brain where where do the fibers start and end but if you can turn it you can at, at least say more you could look at it from different angles and so on mm -hmm. maybe speaking about um sometimes the you know problems with interpreting these pictures what are the limitations of this method anatomically i know for example we can't see synapses right we sometimes cannot be 100 percent sure where do fibers go and end? And for that, we actually need tracers like, like Susanne is, is using mm -hmm. other, you know, advantages of it, disadvantages of it that, that can maybe relate them to people interested in neuroanatomy. So, yeah, I think that you have to be very careful about what you are dissecting. And I think that the way that I mentioned that you, if you freeze every, every night, and if you study and see the, the areas that you have to go, I think that's also helpful. And, and to use the, the right instrument. So I'm using mostly the dissectors of Dr. Rottensat. So they are very thin and also for the, for the ganglion, like for the ASEAN red nucleus, I'm, I'm using um an instrument that it's similar to a spoon but very small very small mm -hmm. and yeah but in for sure this this tracing method that uh, that some um, researchers are using are very helpful and and i think that it's very important but i think it's a a little different from the complementary yeah yeah yeah. I'm, yeah it's complementary yes yeah yeah makes sense Great. So you, you work at the Center of Neurology and Neurosurgery Associates in um, Sao Paulo, but also hold an adjunct professorship at the Mayo Clinic. As mentioned, you've collaborated with Eric Middlebrooks, and we've mentioned his name a few times in many publications. Um, and, you know, sometimes he's first author and you're, you're on it as a consultant. And he was also, you know, um, co-author on your paper. Um, and you know, for the people that might not know Eric, he's, I think, one of, you know, at the frontier in 7Tesla, also does a lot in DBS, and of course, um, fiber tractography and so on. Um, he really knows what he's doing. So maybe one could see this um, pair of you as a, you know, couple to combine dissectional mm -hmm. anatomy between, you know, anatomy and radiology. Um, 
how do you see the relationship in general between neuroimagers like Eric and and you as a as an anatomist and surgeon? What can you learn from each other? How do you complement each other? How is the relationship there? And you know all that. I think this relationship is crucial. It's very important. And, and that's something that since the beginning, so Dr. Rotten introduced me to Dr. Eric Middlebrooks and, and it was, since the beginning, it was a very good partnership. And even nowadays, it was a coincidence that once uh, he, he went first to Alabama and then he went to Mayo and then I, I was there helping Dr. Evandro de Oliveira with some skull-based course. And then I got to introduce him to the to Dr. Q and all the and all the neurosurgeons there, and and it was it was nice it, it is nice having him there at Mayo. So nowadays we are we are working together in a course. So he's brilliant. He's a brilliant uh, neuroradiologist. He's a great person to work with, and he he has helped helped me a lot, and also many former fellows of Dr. Rotten, and also some of my fellows. So some of my fellows also have him as a co-author. So, and I think that it, that's very important because at the end, the work that we are doing in the lab, we the the real meaning of that is to get that into clinical practice and to help with that. It's I think image it's very important. So we have to kind of uh, try to get what we are doing in the lab and kind of and translate into image and then show both together. So they yeah. can, so people can understand better and can use better and can give better results to their patients. At the end, it's it's the main thing. And I think that Dr. Rotten saw that since the beginning because I, when I mentioned about that that patient, he he said, and it, that was something that he was always saying. So we spend many hours in the lab. Sometimes, most of the times, it's lonely. So I'm for over these six thousand hours probably 2000, I, I had other fellows around. Most mm. of the time I was by myself doing these dissections because most of, most of the time we had no no one in the lab, only me. And also uh, that's something that it's it's nice to have someone to talk to, about and, and to yeah. discuss and, oh, what do you think about that? And, and, and Eric Mendebrooks has been a great mark partner uh, on that. And he is also, sometimes he has questions and he comes to me and and that 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 just gives meaning to the work that um, I'm doing, and I really want this this these discussions to happen uh, with you also with Haref with uh, all the people that it's doing. So some of the neuroradiologists here in my hostel they also come the, to talk and and to discuss some uh, tracks. So even for my surgeries. I'm doing some tractography and that's something that it, we are discussing and we are always trying to get better image here. So, and, and even uh, Eric helped getting the the image here in my hospital better. Yeah. So he, he talked to the neuroradiologist here. So we got the aviator sequence and we got, yeah, we got to improve not only in my hospital. So many neurosurgeons, many, many, many functional neurosurgeons all over Brazil, they're sending him here. They are sending their patients to Sao Paulo and then they get this image and then they go back, the patients go go back and then uh, do the surgery uh, at, their, at their city. Yeah, and that's very yeah. helpful because you know the way, importance. Yeah. 
Yeah, he he actually also uh, helped us a lot here with the seven Tesla sequences and so on. So so he's he's amazing in that regard. He I he think. was the one who introduced us by email. At some oh point. yeah, I think maybe I, I, that, that's yeah, been a while ago, ago though. Yeah yeah five yeah years. makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's great. Yeah. All right, so, and you also play a role in education. I think, for instance, you uh, were involved in um, the Roton Society and uh, co-organized the Mayo Clinic Roton de Oliveira um, Stereotactic Functional Neuroanatomic Course. It bears the name of your two mentors. Um, so I, I guess you were probably key there. Um, and uh, I, I missed that, but but uh, I'm, I'm sure it was great and um, saw some cool pictures. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that work of education and, you know, this course maybe, and is there a future course planned like that? Yeah, it, it, it's, it was a very special project. It is, it's still, because we are, we're having uh, the new one next year in February, 1st of February 3rd. And then that's something that I, Dr. Dr. Roth, Dr. Evandro de Oliveira asked me, oh, do you want to build something functional? Before he passed, he passed in 2019. And I really wanted to teach people because it, that was something also that Dr. Rotten always said, I want you to be teachers. He wanted his fellows to, to teach what we were learning there in the lab. Because at the end, you, do, you don't want only your patients to, to improve, but also the, the patients of all neurosurgeons and neurologists and so I think that's very important to, to share. And then last year, no, the year before, like two years ago, I went with this project to Dr. Q. I was going there to help in the skull-based course. I was always happy to help in, the, in that course, but it, it's not really my field. But I, 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 always, I was always passionate about teaching and, and getting the neurosurgeons to do better procedures. And once I presented that to Dr. Q, he... What he's a great, uh, he, he's a great chairman and he was, oh, let's do that. And I, we have to get you in touch with Sanjit and also uh, João Paulo de Almeida. He's, um, he's, he's from Brazil and he's also uh, faculty there at Mayo. And so we are all co-directors. And then I, I called Sanjit. He was not there. He was in like during that time and then but he he really loved it he said oh you we need to share that so you have a great knowledge in our anatomy and we have a lot of good staff that can share so the idea also is to get um, the the knowledge more international so Mayo has this this thing way of thinking that I think that's very important so that's something that we are I'm very involved and it's like a dream come true for me to, to have that course and to get uh, the, the people learning. And because I, I think it's very, it's very difficult, at least here in Brazil, in Latin America, it's difficult to, to have some courses like that. And in, at May, we could get all the, the facilities we, we needed for that. And, and it was a great, great course and I hope to ha to have that for many years uh, so we, we already have one next year and, and we're we're keep working as Dr. Rotten was always saying he was uh, every day he was yeah he was always saying 
uh, keep working, keep working, like to improve what we are doing. So it's it's like that. So every year we are trying to improve that. And also from Dr. Evander Derivera, he was also a great mentor in, in education and sharing the, the love that he had, the passion that he had uh, about neurosurgery and, and about teaching. And he was always saying, you have to leave the OR every day and think what I could have done better. And then next day, when you come back, you have to do better than that. So every day you are a better surgeon. So that's something that I'm trying to do. And that's something that I'm doing uh, in the DBS procedures. So some people even say that some people that goes to my surgery and then goes to other surgeries, they come and say, oh, you have the biggest checklist that I have <laughs> comparing all the functional <laughs> neurosurgeons and all the okay. neurosurgeons. Because every time you, you want to improve and to do better. And Love it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's very helpful. And and so you said there is a next course plan. Can people attend to that? Feel free to make some advertisement. Um, can they apply mm -hmm. or how, how does it work? Is it February next year? Yeah, it's February next year. I can share with you the link. And it's uh, yeah February 1st to February 3rd. And then it's... Um, and it's something that you can go into um, Mayo Clinic treatment. We can, so we can link. To yeah, it. I can, yeah, yeah, I can send you so, the link, and you can good. put in the website. Cool, great. If you want. <laughs> so, um, and then you're also quite active in the Brazilian Society for Neurosurgery. Can you tell us a bit about that um, community mm -hmm. work there and the um, yeah society work you're doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm working a lot over the past month. We had the, our Congress last, last our meeting, our annual meeting last week. And yeah. I'm working as a communication director uh, now three, for three years. And I'm also working as the secretary director of the Brazilian Society in Functional Neurosurgery, in Cytotactic and Functional Neurosurgery. Since last month, actually. So that's, that's oh, wow. really Congratulations. you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. That's all right. That's a lot of work. So we are already working on the, the meeting that we have next year in May. I think I mentioned that one to you. So it's May okay. 1st to May 4th. And then, yeah, so it's it's very nice. I, I, I'm very passionate about sharing the work that we are doing, not only for the the people that are the, for the, the associates, or also... Uh, for the, I think the work, the, the, all over the world, because I think in neurosurgery, we are doing a pretty, pretty good job here in Brazil. And I think that's nice to to share that and to work with education and and then work to to improve. I think at the end, it's all about helping and, and getting uh, our neurosurgeons and functional neurosurgeons now to, to improve the way that they are treating their patients. And I think in this society, we can do that. And we can, we can have also deeper connections. As I mentioned, that I, I always like to have that in my life. And I think that it's quite fulfilling to, to also work with that. And I, I mean, I from the outside, I can also, you know, I know three great neurosurgeons from Brazil. We talked about it, Eduardo Alio, Eric Fonoff, and Paolo Francesini. Mm -hmm. So already that, yeah. that's a lot for the, you know, for, for, for I, I don't even know if I know so many from Germany. Probably, probably I do, but it's um, it seems <laughs> to be a, a nice society there that you have and um, great work. And um, Eduardo and also Eric, they've been so inventive all the time, creative and creating 
beautiful work and so yeah. on. So yeah, really, really nice. So how much how much time do you spend in Brazil versus US? I'm 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 assuming you live in Brazil and only visit US, but since you have an adjunct professorship there, do you, I don't know, spend one week a year or something like that at Mayo? Or is it mainly virtual? Yeah, it's it's about three weeks per year. Three weeks. I'm okay. I'm over there. Sometimes a little more because not only I have this Mayo uh, adjunct professor professorship, but I also come into meetings as we met, we met there yeah. at Siena. So that's, that's something that I'm, I'm always uh, trying to attend because we also have a partnership of uh, the Brazilian Society of Nurse Surgery with uh, CNS. And that's, okay. that's important to keep that connection. Super cool. So I want to be mindful of your time. So we'll conclude as always with some rapid fire questions. Um, feel mm -hmm. free to answer briefly. Of course, you can also answer long if you have more time. I have more time. Mm -hmm. um, but um, how, how, in your opinion, how does the operation room in the future look like? Any changes? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think at some point, uh, people will think, even, even as we are going to think like in 20 years, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing that at that time. So it's, uh, I think that's going to have a big change. I think artificial intelligence is going to play a role in EDR for the mainly functional neurosurgery. So we, we also had a discussion about that at CNS uh, during the America America's meeting at, at, on Saturday. Because... In, in, in all fields in our surgery, I think that's going to play a, a role, but in functional, I think that we are going to have um, the image there. So we are going, in the, inside the OR, I think that we are going to have like the CT, in some in some hospitals we, are, we already have that, but we don't have here in my hospital, for example. But then I think that we are going to, once we get that, we are going to have some data to show, okay, based on these, or the size of this hat, uh, we can we can have the targets exactly in this position. So and and then based on this symptom, so if the patient has more rigidity, you can have the target right in this position. And of course, we all we always will have to be careful about that and to do that and to check and recheck. But I think that's going to be I think that, uh, yeah at some point that's going to be helpful, and it's going to play a huge role in the um, in our surgery and also for the neurologists i think that's going to be for the the parameters that we are using and for the maybe new targets that are coming we are going to have a specific parameter that we can use to simulate and to improve a, a specific symptom of the patient great um what were some eureka moments in your career or in your life? Mm -hmm. I think just to continue the thought uh, about that patient that I mentioned, what, the day that I that I got to dissect the connections between the STN and the substantia nominata and also the STN, the prefrontal cortex, it was a, a very special day. It was very, very good to, to get that and then to, okay, I think that's the reason why the patient got sad. So I, I could uh, kind of, okay, now I got my answer. And and every day I I tried, I, every day in the lab, I, I, I tried to, to do these dissections thinking about the way that we could 
help the patients. And actually today, this morning, it was such a coincidence because I was hearing the the podcast that you did with Mahi Kruger. I got oh, to yeah. meet her yeah, through the through Zoom. So Harif introduced me. They are sharing the, the office. And then yeah, they invited me to go to the course next next month that they have there at Queen Square. I'm going to talk about the basic ganglia anatomy there. But then nice. I really enjoyed the the podcast that you did. And then she mentioned the way that that, that she's treating the patients and getting the the C, the area between the TM and also the VPL and the and the, the and that has this triangle and and she wanted to learn more about the connections and she mentioned that she was going to ask Harp about that and then Harp also uh, shared with me these these uh, that that he wanted to learn more about that and then that's something that I was detecting exactly during the time that I heard where when you you mentioned that in the podcast and then I was oh my gosh so I, I want to share with her these now because I think that's going to be helpful for her patients so yeah at the end it's it's nice to to get these connections like I think mainly the connections between the TM and the singulum so that's going super to be cool. helpful for pain patients yeah super mm -hmm. cool yeah Marie's work is there and we, we went to med school together maybe you heard that in the oh podcast so okay, we were no. um, same, okay, same yeah, class in, in Freiburg <laughs> uh, in Germany no so so that's um okay she's always my example of what I could have become as well if I you know um went had had gone into neurosurgery because she's my age and we mm -hmm. study together and um yes very impressive what she's been doing and very mm -hmm. very cool yeah it is so since we talked about the more positive stuff, I always want to also ask about maybe negative things, um, things that went wrong or wasters of your time or missed opportunities in your career, whatever, maybe even surgical cases, if you want to talk about that, that, mm -hmm. you know, I think everybody has some cases where things could have gone better or in the anatomy work, I'm yeah. sure <laughs> these sections can go wrong. So maybe you can talk a bit about that too. Yeah, for dissections, I think that when I'm doing uh, the time that I was doing the dissections without freezing the brain every day, I think that they're not as good as the the ones that I did after afterwards. So I wish I had done that before, but sure. yeah, I couldn't. And for the OR, there are many things. <laughs> we could spend like many hours talking about that. But I think that's something that I changed over the the years, it's that I'm I'm really worried about migration of the lead mm -hmm. and the thing that I'm using and I'm doing right now. And many, many neurosurgeons here that are doing, it's I'm using glue instead of the the, the cap, you know. So the, yeah. the dissection that I did with the with the lead. So now I'm using glue and it has, it has been helpful because I was hurt by that, you know. So Dr. Futo is always saying, oh, you get every time that you have a problem and you have a complication, you try to come up with new ideas and to deal with that. So yeah, that, that, that's it. And, and I think that once you, you have, yeah, and, and sometimes when you have a patient that has some skin erosion and problems with that. So I, I, I'm always, if the patient wants to try, sometimes I try to keep that, but Sometimes I, I think it's not worth it. I think if I, I would go back with some patients, I would say, okay, 
now that it's that you have this infection, we have to remove and then yeah, we, we have to remove faster. That's something that Dr. Foot was always doing. He was removing mostly one week or two weeks after that. So every time I keep longer than that, I I think that's not worth it. Now, mm. just thinking back. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. Advice for young researchers entering um, neurosurgery or academia and neuroscience. Neurosurgery may be more, <laughs> most interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important to really think about the the area that you are going into and to get your the research and to to try to feel what you have passion about and then once you find out about that that's not easy i i i i have to say but you have to try hard to to find out that and then once you you find you find out you have to i think it's it's a very important thing that you you have to have when you are doing research because it's it's hard it's lonely and you have to to just know your reasons and and do your best and then at the end i think you can you can share the work that you are doing and and help others and yeah but just i think that i'm i'm just going to quote quote dr rotten here keep working <laughs> keep working love it any advice for women in neurosurgery? Yeah, and it, that's very that's a, a quite frequent question that I get, and and it it never gets get old because it's something that uh, it's still hard. It's, it's still pretty hard. We have now nowadays that we have about twenty to thirty percent in the first year residency. In the we are three hundred neurosurgeons. Uh, women neurosurgeons here in Brazil, and in total we are twenty five hundred. Uh, and then I think yeah, it's like it's about twelve um, percent. And and then I think that's that's something that you have first, like for the medical students that come to me. And last week we had a great meeting here with uh, Gail Russo came and talked about uh, leadership. And, it, and we have many medical students that come and, and ask, oh, is it uh, a good profession? Is it a good career? Uh, you Do you advise me to to go into that? And the, the way that I always say is you have to re be really sure what you about, about what you want. So once you are sure, you have to... You, you don't listen to anyone. So and go there and do your best and study a lot and and do the best that you can. And I think that you are going to be, you're going to succeed in your career. But because at, it, for me it was like that at the, the the end of my medical school, I was sure that if I was not going into neurosurgery, I was not going to be totally fulfilled. You know, I was not going to be really happy in my career so I was really sure at the end that I wanted to go into this career and I think that again it's not easy to really be sure about what you want but once you have that and you also are sure and I can tell that many medical students they already know that and I'm, I'm and I'm sure that there are still there are people who are still saying oh you're going to give up you're going to so this is not something for women 
So we have many things, uh, many people thinking in this way. And the thing is, if you're really sure, you you have to go for it and do your best. And I'm sure that we're going to have amazing, as we have now nowadays, many brilliant neurosurgeons that you interviewed, some of them you interviewed here, and we keep seeing many brilliant uh, women in neurosurgery all over the world. And I think that there are a lot uh, to come yet. Absolutely. I hope so, um, definitely. And yeah, what you said, this was also more probably general advice with this listen like be sure what you want that's really tough i totally agree and, and I, I you know i'm not speaking about women anymore in this but um of course this i think this applies to, to lots of all of us but it's a really deep advice because we often get advice from others but they are not our lives right they don't they're not our brains they're not our you know they don't have our connectomes they have a very different setting yeah. and they give us good advice it can be helpful but it's very hard to find the inner voice saying, what do you actually want, right? So you yourself, and then trusting that as a young person, how can you trust that? How can you be so sure, right? Because you you still, you know, have the life in front of you. Still find that hard, mm -hmm. um, even now, every now and then to, you know, instead of listening to others and thinking, oh, that that's a smart person, I'll just follow what they say, to mm -hmm. try and and listen to to me, you know, what does Andy want? This is not, not easy. So um that was good advice for me too. So thanks for saying that. Um, <laughs> and then um, future of the field. So here I'm not, not talking about the future of the OR, but about neuro neuromodulation as a whole. So it could be TMS, FAS, DBS. Where do you think we will be in 10 or 20 years as a field on a global scale? I think we are going to have many new targets and new indications. Also, um, mainly for depression and cognitive problems, I think in five to 10 years, uh, we are going to have some ways to treat uh, that. And also addiction, when you're not only for a different simulation, but also for a focus ultrasound, that it's a, uh, you cover some of this uh, excitement that some patients have we already have a big list here in brazil we don't have the the procedure yet we don't have a focus ultrasound here yet we already have hundreds of patients that want to to go and and neurologists calling me you know like yesterday i got a call oh this patient he wants to to have focus ultrasound so he wants to travel for somewhere in the world to have that and he, he wants to pay for that and then he's coming for me for advice okay where in the world I'm, I'm going to get that so and then yeah that's something that uh, I think that's going to be um, uh, we are going to have a lot of new uh, targets and, and indications and I think that it's going to get less and less invasive for deep brain simulation and also for spinal cord simulation for example I think we're going to have smaller leads smaller uh, generators so yeah, there are, we we know about the new projects that are coming up, but also I think in some years maybe we are going to have we don't we are not going to have the the extension coming here for the for the generator maybe even a smaller thing that we can just counter sink here in the stall yeah. and yeah so I think that's going to get smaller and smaller and maybe more compelling to the patients and that the patients are going to affect that more. So I think that's going to be helpful for, for the field in the future. 
Super cool. Any missed opportunities, things we should be doing more, but are not doing enough as a field? I think we, we had to study in a better way how to treat pain, mainly like neuropathic pain. And, and I, because I, I think it's a huge problem. And after COVID, I don't know if you have this impression, but all my pain patients, they got worse. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are doing a lot of research in Parkinson's, in, in essential tremor, and I think we have, and even for dystonia, I think, I think we had to have more, I, but okay, dystonia is a small number, but I think we had to have more research in dystonia and also in chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have to treat better. I, I mean, for when we are having uh, some uh, to to really define exactly which target we should be using because it's I know that stuff to get that and when when we go to the studies and meta analysis it's difficult but we have many people doing that already doing great work so uh, Mahi Kruger is the person that is doing a great job there at Queen Square also Harif Akram uh, so they are doing a great job there but then uh, I think that we we should we should be doing more and more worldwide and get like organized organize the research and trials to to improve better these patients yeah yeah totally agree pain would be huge it's such mm -hmm. a big field and uh yeah so much suffering right absolutely mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah so before we conclude um any question you would have liked me to ask or talk about um that i didn't cover or do you think we covered it all yeah i think we cover uh, pretty much everything that i am um, uh, that i thought about talking here with you and i, I yeah i think I, I want to have this get this opportunity to congratulate you for this podcast i think it's very inspiring so i even this morning i had this uh, inspiration about the the podcast that you had with Marie Kruger and I think that many of the others that came I'm, I'm a huge fan of many of the people that you were you, you had here as a guest and I think that this inspiration is going to help a lot everyone that is, is listening maybe so, it's stimulating congratulations maybe it's maybe it's not yes. just <laughs> <laughs> thanks for saying that um that really means a lot i mean to me again this this started as a hobby and i never thought this would go as long but i learned so much myself i sometimes even think you know it's not even about for me it's not about releasing these it's about this actual you know being able to ask experts like do you questions is such mm -hmm. a big honor and you know um certainly worth my time and then you know, I wouldn't say I don't care if anybody listens to it, um, but but it's that's not really what what it's about. It's really about um, conversations and learning from one another. I sometimes feel it's you know could be great to do this more even without recording, right? Just to sit together and taking two mm -hmm. hours. I know two hours is a long time, you know, for all of for especially for neurosurgeons, but also for everybody, right? In our busy lives. But I feel like often that's where you actually understand stuff. There's an actual transfer of information and so on. And um, yeah, so I enjoy it a lot. But thanks for saying um, that you like it and it um, it's uh, stimulating or <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> so um, thank you one more time, Vanessa. This was really cool to have you on the show. And I really am a big fan of what you are doing. Don't stop the Klingler work, the anatomy work. Um, it is 
should be done more i really think so worldwide um we need people like you as you have seen by harith's question my questions eric's um questions and so on so i think um it's really worthwhile um and you can train people you can't do it all yourself but you you, you should have a lab that does this i think um long term yeah so yeah, that, that's something that yeah, that's that's something that we are doing here. So I was helping some fellows to do the, the dissections. Yeah. Let's see. Hopefully by next year we're going to have that again. And yeah, it's Thanks. very important to to keep working. Yeah, to to do do what Dr. Rotten said. I, I know that this is very important. Thank you so much for having me. So thank you so much, uh, everyone that's hearing here. And if you want to get uh, some questions and, and get my um, my dissections going, so you can send me. And I think that's very helpful and it's um, it's very important to keep those connections. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Vanessa. <laughs>